0: Welcome to TW Now, where we examine today's news and issues in light of the Bible. I'm Scott Winnale. Many have speculated about the meaning of the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the biblical book of Revelation. Who or what are these four horsemen? What powerful events do they point us to? Are these horsemen just an allegory, or do they actually represent events in the not too distant future? You need to know who these horsemen are and how they might impact your life. These horsemen really are not that difficult to understand if we allow the Bible to interpret itself. Today's returning guests will clearly describe the four horsemen of Revelation and point you to clear scriptures that make sense of the Bible passages. I'd like to welcome back Mr. Jonathan McNair. Mr. McNair is a longtime minister and Bible teacher. He's also a Tomorrow's World writer, and he's taught about the book of Revelation for many years now. I'd also like to welcome back Mr. Anthony Stroud. Mr. Stroud, welcome.
1: Welcome. Thanks for having me back.
0: Mr. Stroud is a field pastor who also teaches his congregants about today's topic and he's also a Bible student who studied the book of Revelation for decades. Mr. Stroud is joining us via Skype from Birmingham, Alabama. Before we get started, for our audience, if you do have questions today related to our discussion, please feel free to message us. We'll do our best to address some of your questions and also, as always, we encourage you to subscribe, to like, and to share today's program. All right, gentlemen. Let's begin, and Mr. Stroud will start with you. Let's go into a, just a little bit of background on the Book of Revelation itself. This book that many people think is is just a mystery, or you can't understand it. Who wrote and inspired the Book of Revelation, and, and why did this happen? What was the purpose?
1: Well, Dr. Scott, if you would, uh, if we were to take the look at the Bible and come to understand, uh, especially starting in Revelation chapter one. And we we get the answer to that question where it reveals that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And then it says he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, to bear witness of events that were uh, yet to happen.
0: Okay, Mr. McNair, do you have anything else you wanna share with
2: that? No, I think think it's uh, important and, and as uh, Mr. Soud mentioned, it's really clear right from the beginning, this was this was something that was supposed to be understood. It was for the benefit of the reader and it, literally, literally from God to help us to understand. So, as you mentioned the beginning, um, although it has different symbols and different pictures, uh, it is to be understood from God. It's a revelation from God. I mean, that's really the whole idea of revelation means to, for something to be revealed, made open and understood. So, so uh, God is, uh, is actually giving it to us to help us understand. And as it says in verse three, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it uh, for the time is near. So it's, it's about learning uh, about what God has in store. And then as a result, having act, some sort of action in life that would, would be reflected by that understanding.
0: So let's, let me ask you a, a related question here. As we think about our audience, I mean obviously this is going to be a fascinating topic to some people because we 're going to dig into this mysterious book of revelation. But more than just fascinating, why is it important for our audience to know and to understand some of these things and i 'll start with you, mr. McNair
2: yeah no no, I, and I maybe I challenge the audience a little bit because I think that there are people who are who are are fascinated by symbols and and all of the uh, the the visions and and they're fascinated by the creativity and all that, but they don't actually take it to heart in terms of what hap- what's what what is their, what their life is about. And so I would challenge um, someone sitting in our audience mm-hmm. to not look at this just as sort of dallying in one more conspiracy or one more weird, strange National inquirer type thing, but actually. To, to look into to see what it, what it truly means in terms of man's history, and then if there's not some type of action that is taken as a result, then it's just an exercise in, in creativity and in uh, accumulation of sort of knowledge. So I, I think, it, um, again, I would challenge our audience to think, does it mean something to, to you in your life, does, and likewise for me?
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mr. Stroud,
2: anything to add?
1: Well, you, you know, I, I appreciate those comments from Mr. McNair, and and I think in terms, when you look at these scriptures, again, about it being a revealing, one of the things that the audience needs to understand is that this had to do with timing as well. These events, as he mentioned, was not to be hidden, but to be revealed. And I think in terms of the book of Daniel, and how Daniel made mention of some similar events, And then it states in Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, and as well as uh, verse 9, in verse 4, he was instructed in his time to seal the book up. And then it mentions until the time of the end in verse 9. So Daniel's events had a significance at a particular time. You come to the book of Revelation, and, and as Mr. McNair mentioned, You know, this is not just some allegory, this is not some fascinating story, something was told even long ago that goes along with this, and if we come to understand that it is a revealing and not a hiding, uh, some incredible knowledge can come out of it.
2: I might add uh, again for our audience, if they don't have their Bibles with them mm. today, would certainly be a day to grab it because we're going through uh, we're going through verses, and so as in all of our programs. But I think I'll say, particularly for this program, it's worth yes. recognizing what each and every verse uh, says. And uh, for example, to to your point, we read in verse six as it as we read in verse four and five and six about jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and it says something in verse six that applies directly to us and says as made us kings and priests to his god and father so this this revelation has to do with us and our understanding and remember back in the old testament the kings were required to write a book of the law they were supposed to understand they were they were actually to be very familiar with the words of god so when we go through this uh, it, we're actually fulfilling that responsibility of kings and priests of uh, becoming familiar with God's Word, His plan, and, uh, and, and that really has to be a starting point for us.
1: Okay, great. Well, let's go ahead, and and, made, go ahead. He made sure that everything was preserved. I, I really appreciate that. He made sure everything was preserved accurately so that we could have it uh, to be able to understand these things.
0: Mm. And that's, that's interesting in light of where we are in history. We'll be talking mm. about that today but where we are in history, even with the printing press, in the availability of the Word of God to, on a scale that has never happened before, in Certainly. terms of the hundreds of languages that
2: this has been translated into. And yet we still have confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes I, I, I would say confusion is, because, is generated because people don't actually look at the words. And, uh, mm-hmm. and frankly, I'll just add one more point right away in the first chapter, and that is, uh, I think, illustrated in uh, verse 10, when uh, we read about John, it talks, it says, I, John, in verse nine, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And many people falsely, uh, mistakenly Mm. think that Lord's Day refers to Sunday, when in reality, throughout the Bible, the Lord's Day refers to this time that is being discussed here and revealed, which is the Day of the Lord, at the end, as uh, Christ returns. So that's just a classic example of of the importance of reading the Bible and then seeing how the Bible explains itself. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you. Well, let's tell you what let's do. We're gonna go ahead and we'll get started here talking about the horsemen themselves. uh, Mr. Stroud, I'm gonna ask you to start uh, in just a moment uh, talking about who these four horsemen are, what they're all about, what they look like, and and beginning to clarify. Before we do that, just for our audience's purposes, you're gonna see us practicing a principle of understanding the scripture today. Uh, The Bible actually talks about how we're to take precept upon precept and place line upon line and and here a little, there a little. Uh, God designed us to be able to go into this Bible, but to pull truth from multiple places and as we put the pieces together, sort of like a puzzle, then the image begins to take place. So you're going to see us bouncing back and forth between books, actually, to, to clarify the story even more. Okay, with that, Mr. Stroud, go ahead and why don't you go ahead and start with the first horse.
1: Okay, the first horse mentioned in Revelation 6, it says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures uh, saying with a loud voice of thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Uh, In the Bible, white, and especially Revelation 19, talks about white as righteousness, and one of the things we understand also about christ he also is on a white horse but in this case this individual is conquering and to conquer he's a false messiah he's a he's a false christ you know christ did powerful signs in the bible it would show that a false christ would do somewhat of the same um and i i thought in one of the things that the audience should always do when it comes to religious teachings and understanding of god's way of life as you mentioned you have to look in other places, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. And I'm, I'm reminded of that in First John chapter 4, and verse one, where uh, John encourages us to test the spirits. We need to know uh, about this individual. You you tie it in with Matthew 24, and verse five, where Christ talks about uh, men will come in his name and say that he is the Christ. In other words, preaching about him, but there's something wrong there. There's the deception that Christ talks about and yet here we have an individual that has come to conquer and conquering uh and and we can understand this as a false messiah and he will do various things
2: Mr. McNair. Yeah, I, actually, it might be uh, worthwhile to our audience to go ahead and go to Revelation 19. Mr. Stroud, you mentioned that. Let, let, why don't we read it, uh, where Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, where we read about the return of Jesus Christ, exactly what you're what you're mentioning. And uh, for if our audience is someone's not aware of it, we we see verse 11 that Christ will return to this earth. As it says in verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and we see he had a name written, I'm um, sorry, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And so we see verse 15, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. So we see this contrast, we see Christ on a white horse returning to the earth with a sword. And yet we see in Revelation chapter six, this uh, first seal, this white horse is, is, a, is like a counterfeit because um, as, as Mr. Stry was mentioning, it says, Uh, in Revelation 6, verse 2, this Messiah is on a white horse, but instead of a sword, he has a bow. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. So this is a dominant uh, false Messiah that is a counterfeit of Jesus Christ before Jesus Christ's return. I think it's worth uh, reviewing that very specifically.
0: Well, Mr. Stroud, (coughs) why, as we look at this we see this you're saying this is a false messiah uh, a a religious figure why would a religious figure be carrying a bow
1: why would a religious figure be carrying a bow yeah why doesn't he have
0: a bible in his hand or or something like that
1: well first of all i'll just say it just like you know one of the things that scripture that comes to my mind immediately is second corinthians 11 verses 14 and 15 as Mr. McNair mentioned, a false messiah, false Christ, and as far as a bow, when you think about the Word of God and Christ having the sword versus the bow, um, I look at that again in the in the area of the just total deception. What is he going to do with the bow versus the Word of God? Uh, he has nothing to do with Christ. Can't teach uh, a, a truth about Christ. So it automatically puts him in that category of being a false messiah. Uh, he, He has no understanding of God's word at all.
2: You know, uh, and, and Mr. Shaw mentioned Matthew 24. It might be good to go back to Matthew 24 because it's a, Matthew 24 is a real uh, excellent counterpart to Revelation 6. In fact, even though there are just a few verses in Revelation 6 about this, this uh, counterfeit of Christ, Christ warned about this back in Matthew 24 because His disciples actually were asking about the end of the age. So in Matthew 24, we read verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will all these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? Because he was in verse one and two, he was saying that the temple is going to be destroyed. And so they said to him, when when is this going to happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they, they expected the end to come soon in their lifetime even we see that in, in Acts chapter 1 where they expected Christ to establish his kingdom and his response is is amazing because instead of answering their question directly he answered it in a way that his people going down forward through history will be able to understand the end of the age by uh the panorama of history and that's that's what's so genius about about it and and in terms of the this uh, the 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 uh the white horse there the first horseman we see in verse 4 jesus answered and said to them take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying i am the christ and will deceive many so he he alludes to religious deception that will be a counterfeit of him. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he says, don't be tricked, don't be deceived. And that's exactly what happened. Because Mm -hmm. we see not long after he he died, within a 100 years, Mm -hmm. those who were followers of him actually had been the ranks had been decimated by falsehood and by paganism. And so there was deception of, uh, of his followers to a great degree. We can look back at that. We can say, wow, that falsehood and deception has been part of history. Mm-hmm. And we can use that actually to look at that white horse and see that, again, it'll be falsehood. But like Mr. Straub was saying, this is going to be a dominating religious force. THAT WILL BE a, a COUNTERFEIT FOR CHRIST. SORT OF A WOLF IN SHEEP'S CLOTHING? AND MANY PEOPLE MAY THINK THAT uh, THAT SYSTEM ACTUALLY IS OF CHRIST, mm-hmm. AND it will, IT WILL NOT.
0: LET'S COME BACK AND CLARIFY JUST A LITTLE BIT MORE. WE, we SEE THIS INDIVIDUAL ON THIS WHITE HORSE CARRYING A WEAPON. There's got to be a reason for that. Do we see historically any churches at any time sort of brandishing a weapon or forcing people to do what they want done?
1: Yes, yes. You go back uh, sometime in history, I mean the middle of ages. I, I pulled up an article uh, that talks about the Inquisition and it mentions the Roman Empire. One of the statements that was made, and I read that from here, in 1252, Innocent, I think this is the fourth license in inquisitors to allow, uh, you know, uh, heretics. It called them uh, obdurate, stubborn ones who refuse to change one's opinion or course of action to be tortured uh, by henchmen. So it was as if they were to force their ways upon them. And so this is the way they did it. And you're talking long ago. Now here we are today. It's being forced in a whole different way and it's basically through deception uh, is the way that i see it
2: you know it's interesting one of the, one of the things that happened in uh, the first 300 years uh, after christ was that those who kept the passover mm-hmm. they were talking about the late 300s they were actually uh declared uh, anathema and it was they, they were actually it was illegal to keep the Passover that Christ kept and taught and so that was in a sense the the starting the shot across the bow for this uh, great false uh, counterfeit system that took the name of Christ and actually taught different things to be able to exercise violence over those who would keep the words of Christ and as we look at Revelation 6, then we see a system that, again, will uh, authorize and, and carry out violence against those who are truly followers of Christ. And um, so that's, that's been part of the history of, of that false system. Do you think this false Christ individual that will come on the scene, represented by this white
0: horse, will um, be able to do any miracles or any signs that will sort of uh, bring even more notoriety or cause more people to want to worship him or, or uh, see him in a powerful light?
2: I, I just Go point ahead. to Revelation 13, where we read more about that. I think um, that is a, a, a great, uh, gives us great insight on this religious leader who will uh, do a number of miracles and a very dangerous character who will uh, influence a lot of people on the earth. Okay
0: mr. Stroud let me come back to you let's let's go back to the horsemen again uh, can you tell us about the the uh, red horse the next one in line the second seal
1: yes you have to go back to Revelation chapter 6 again and and um, uh, to, to get note of what this individual do on the red horse uh, verse 4 a fiery red went out and it was granted to the one who set on it to take peace from the earth Um, and that people should kill one another and there was given to him a great sword Um, you know this could indicate uh, war and and severe punishment Uh, you know when we think about throughout history how we've seen so much war but at this particular time when these events happen we're talking about something that's going to escalate to to a time we've never seen before Um, and And he's running, he's on a red horse, bloodshed, I I tend to say bloodshed, we're talking about war and taking peace from the earth. And how would we be able to accomplish that, uh, especially during this particular time? Uh, You you relate back to Matthew 24, verses six and seven, uh, where Christ mentioned, you'll hear rumors and wars, but at this particular time, uh, this has become a big ordeal where wars are really pounding the earth and you're talking about millions, perhaps even billions of people being killed at this particular time uh, that he mentions there.
2: Yeah, Matthew, Matthew 24 gives that pointer again, it gives a template, it gives the, the signpost, and then Revelation six, uh, it, it, it actually uh, highlights and we'll just it, it, um, say it illustrates and it points towards it reflects a time when warfare fills the earth. I mean, the phrase... Uh, that this one who sat on it would take peace from the earth. I mean, that's sort of Mm all-encompassing, isn't it? And and when I read that, uh, my mind always goes back to the time before Noah. If you go back to Genesis chapter 6, and you read about the time before God, He just uh, catastrophically removed this whole system that was uh, over the earth during that time, and all the individuals, we read here verse Uh, Genesis chapter six and verse 11, at that time the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. I mean, uh, I don't think it's by accident that in Matthew 24, Christ also mentions later that the days before the coming of the Son of Man would be like the days of Noah, right? But uh, here it it says he will take peace from the earth. This is war that will be such on a scale that mankind has never experienced. Mm
0: But, you know, I just, I spend a lot of time studying the news uh, with some of my responsibilities here. And China uh, just celebrated its 70th anniversary this week of, of the, the republic as it stands now. And they had a huge military parade. And in this, they displayed a hypersonic drone. So this drone that will travel at hypersonic speeds. And they also revealed a new nuclear Missile that can hit anywhere in the world. It has the longest range of any missile that we know of, and it can do it at Mach 25. So it can hit any target on the earth in 30 minutes or less. Um, just yesterday, I think it was, North Korea revealed, it actually launched a new nuclear missile prototype from a submarine. So now they can place their own missiles on nuclear tipped missiles on submarines so they can park it off anybody's coast and hit anyone as well. We know there's escalation with Iran right now in the United States and Saudi Arabia. Um, People are trying to push Israel's buttons and they're nuclear powered already. They have nuclear weapons. So we just begin to envision war on a new level. Um, Think about drones being able to travel at hypersonic speeds carrying weapons. That's just amazing.
2: If it takes to a new level this phrase, uh, this one will take peace from the earth. No corner of the, according to what we read here, no corner of the earth will be untouched. Mm-hmm. And, and we have, we experience, we talk, we look at, you know, war in the news. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about uh, a, just an unbelievably dangerous time mm-hmm. for the whole earth.
1: Can I add something to that with Mr. McNair? Um, I, I was looking over the internet to, and digging into little things about these nuclear weapons. Do we realize how this can become a reality and the fact that within the world, and there are certain nations that have so many nuclear weapons, I think it's mentioned somewhere around 19,000-plus nuclear weapons exist. So this could easily be known to be a reality because of what man actually had.
0: Well, and what's interesting about those 19,000-plus weapons is many of them carry multiple warheads. Mm up to 10 on each of these so you're you're really talking about huge numbers Mm um mr mcnair can we move on to the Black Horse. can you tell sure. us a little bit about that
2: well again what, what's really I think what's really interesting the way Christ designed he knew what he was going to say he knew what he was he was going to do and it, when he spoke with his disciples in Matthew 24 what did he do but actually give them insight into what later he revealed to John so in Matthew 24 he says that there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places and so we, we see this this uh, this pointer to what we read in, in Revelation 6 so then we read Revelation 6 that when the third seal was opened we read verse uh, verse 5 when the third seal was opened I heard the living creature say come and see so I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil on the wine this is talking about uh, this is talking about famine and, and so we see this inflation uh, of all the supplies that are necessary for living. So we, the black horse represents famine that will rack the earth. And um, again, there's a scary, a scary thought, mm-hmm. but that's what, uh, that's what he says. That's what Christ revealed to, to John.
1: Mm-hmm. Mr. Stroud. An interesting part that, that I think was mentioned earlier is, is also there Christ said, but the end is not yet. These, these things are going to escalate to a scale, but there's still more to come that man will have to deal with as these plagues and things be, continue to go forward.
0: Mm. And I'm guessing that, um, just asking you gentlemen and Mr. Stroud, when we read about these plagues and famine, this is, this is not gonna be famine like we know today or have known so far?
1: No, absolutely not. This will be on a scale that is uh, just extraordinary. It's something we've never seen. And you know, there there are other prophecies uh, that may be mentioned, and some of the some of the things that will result as a, as a result of this famine, uh, which we know to be death, of course. And just imagine the starvation and what people what lengths people will go to to uh, obtain what they will need to survive. Mm
0: okay yeah well let's let's press on mr stroud if you would take us to the pale horse this is the fourth seal of revelation the fourth horseman in
1: the apocalypse okay first of all i would like to read uh matthew 24 verse 9 where it says then they would deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake." then we come over to revelation uh 6 again verse 7 when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four li- fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades or the grave followed uh, with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with, with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. That is a, a tremendous prophecy and I'm reminded if we could jump over to Ezekiel quickly, I, I'll, I want to read something in Ezekiel chapter five. Um, and just to show a little something here, I'll just read a couple of verses here. Ezekiel five verses, uh, let's read verse eight and nine. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, indeed I, even I am against you and will execute judgment in your midst in the sight of the nations. And I will do among you what I have never done and the like of which I will never do again because of all your abominations. So these things are happening for a very specific purpose. Now let's drop down to verse 12. Let's see, let's go over to verse 16. When I sin against them, the terrible arrows of famine, which shall be for destruction, which I will send to destroy you, I will increase the famine upon you and cut off your supply of bread. So I will send against you famine and wild beasts and they will bereave you. We're talking about something on a scale that human beings have never ever faced before. There have been famine, there have been tremendous famine and diseases and death as a result of it. Uh, And all of this actually follows right on the heels of uh, war because these are the things that will will result as a a result of war. And I, I looked up another article that I looked up talked about the 10 diseases that were coming from war. And it lists various things. I won't read all of them, but there was one that was interesting to me, and it talked about shell shock. You had trench fever, trench foot, uh, influenza, malaria, all types of things that would overtake man. But the other was shell shock. Because these events are very disturbing, and uh, it's something man has never known before. So actually, if you look at why all these things happen, uh, God's having to intervene. Uh, and things are beginning to happen. That man, like I said, man has never seen anything like it. So uh, I think this is, you know, you're talking about death, and it said Hades hey, follows, you know, be the brave. Oh, so it's definitely talking about many, many people uh, die.
2: You know, I, I, think, I think one of the things as we go through, and our audience might have to, at the end of this, they might think, oh boy, I, I don't even want to read the Revelation because all I hear is doom and gloom. And, and uh, I think it's important to remember, Matthew 24, if you go, if you read the last part of Matthew 24 and into Matthew 25, uh, we, what we're reading about is what the, the, the prelude is to the return of Jesus Christ. And ultimately the return of Jesus Christ is to establish peace on the earth mm-hmm. and to, to, do, uh, to do away with fighting and violence and warfare. But mankind has to go through his last gasp of mm-hmm. violence and hatred and really bringing upon himself the, the, the fruit of, of his history. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important uh, you know, to remember that the revelation, it, it ends well. And um, mm-hmm. of course, uh, after this point, we begin to focus on uh, what comes next, which is the return of Jesus Christ and, and all that uh, is part of that story, which really you know, is an encouraging end to it. And uh, even though we do have to dig into this, there is that brighter hope at the end of the day
0: Yeah, appreciate that perspective I've got a question online I'm gonna to toss this up in the middle for either of you to grab and don't be don't be nice and wait for the other guy just jump in and grab it question from their audience actually is a really good one that pertains to what we've just been talking about it says do the plagues and the famine come from the devil
2: hmm mm-hmm.
0: what, what kind of indication does the Bible give us to this
1: could, could we not say that, basically, this is the result of man's misbehavior? Like what I, what I mentioned over in uh, Ezekiel, um, mankind has basically turned its back on God. And as a result of it, when we make decisions to do things our own way, this is what results. This is, this is a result of mankind, and Satan can have influence in it, of course, but it's also re- a result of rejecting the true God because uh, paul mentions in romans one that we have evidence and i'd like to just read that one a uh, uh, couple of verses there in romans one paul says in romans 1 verse 18 for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and un- unrighteousness men who suppress the truth and righteousness because what may be known of god is manifest in them for god has shown it to them For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. And he ends it by saying they're without excuse. We have evidence that there is a true God who's in control of all things. But the rejection of God always brings about many curses.
2: Okay. Just a quick add to it that... um, Like Mr. Strauss saying, look, mankind. This is a an accumulation of mankind's uh, uh, disobedience to God and the result. That being said, if you go to Revelation chapter uh, 12, uh, re- which really speaks to this time, we read in verse 12, and I'm jumping into the whole context, but it is this time, this is the time where Satan the devil will have an influence on the world, uh, will, it will, his, his, his intent at this time will be to to just do all he can to influence the world for evil, and it, it's, it literally says, Therefore rejoice, verse 12, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, verse 12 of Revelation 12, mm-hmm. and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. And we can be so happy, then so uh, so hopeful, because of course the feast of trumpets, which uh, comes after this, picturing the return of Jesus Christ, is then fulfilled. Is then actually followed by the day of atonement in our in the in God's feast days, which pictures the removal of Satan, the devil, and, and mankind uh, coming to harmony with God, which really is a, is the bright. PART OF THE PICTURE, yes. um, SO IT WILL BE A COMBINATION BETWEEN uh, MAN and, AND SATAN THE DEVIL WORKING TOWARDS DESTRUCTION AT THIS TIME, BEFORE THE, the PLAGUES THAT GOD BRINGS ON THE EARTH LATER. Mm-hmm.
0: LET ME ASK FOR A CLARIFIER HERE, MR. STRADT, WE'LL GO TO YOU FIRST, AND ACTUALLY WE HAVE A QUESTION FROM OUR AUDIENCE THAT RELATES VERY CLOSELY, DOES THE BIBLE GIVE US ANY INDICATION OF WHEN THESE HORSEMEN WILL RIDE? Mm-hmm. Any more clarity here or or Mr. McNair you could jump into
2: uh, okay oh go ahead if you want to. No, so, go ahead. so so one of the things that we um, that that we see here let me just uh, go back to revelation chapter six is um, what what actually I think it's it's better to look at it from the other side. In other words, when we see the world become engulfed by war, when we see these things begin to happen, they were actually given to us as a pointer for what will come next. Um, I think that's really a better perspective, and then we see actually they're followed in Matthew 24 by this uh, event that is referred to as the abomination of desolation, and we see the power of this great fall system rise. And really, I think we I think it's better to look at it the other way. These things picture that the end is now beginning, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not the end, but it's the beginning of the. It's end. the beginning of the end. It's not the end of the. Maybe it's not the end of the beginning, but it's the beginning of of the end um but but really they are a pointer towards everything beginning towards the tribulation and the day of the lord and that's that's the way it lines up prophetically as far as i can see
1: okay we're talking about about yeah we're talking about maybe about three and a half years before christ's return somewhere in that area when these events during that time will be taking place uh and and when you I, i one of the things that Mr. McNair mentioned how he was showing the positiveness of, of all of this. you know in, in Luke 21, I, I want to read one verse here uh, Luke 21 uh, verse 20. I, 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 I like the way uh, talking about a pointer. Luke 21:20 20 says, "But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near." That's when we would really get to know that these things are beginning to happen and they're ready to move forward and actually escalate to to a highest height. Uh, But there's always hope, like I mentioned earlier, in in all of this.
0: Mm. Well, gentlemen, we've taken a good bit of time today to begin exploring these four horsemen of Revelation and and what they talk about. Uh, What I'd like to do now is to ask you as we come to a conclusion to leave our audience with some salient advice is is there something from today's conversation or something perhaps we didn't even get to that that you would like them to walk away from this conversation with uh and mr Stroud, i'd like to begin with you but what would you like to leave them with what do you want them to take away from what we've said today
1: i i would i would like first of all to read just one statement from Christ in Luke 21 and verse 36 he, he encourages us to watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the son of man yes these events are horrifying and, and, and it's a time where mankind has never seen anything like it. but on the other end of it there's incredible hope. Christ will return, um, Matthew 24, verse 22, and he will put an end to all of these things. The most important thing we all need to do is develop and maintain a close, intimate relationship with God the Father Jesus Christ. We need to do that by studying the Bible, as Paul mentions in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we have to take God at face value that he will do Exactly as he has instructed to bring peace to this. Earth. so this great hope.
2: Sorry. okay, Thank you. Mr. McNair. I, I would just say that the again, the purpose for this message, for this revelation, is actually to enlighten our eyes to what's coming, but also the plan of God as a whole. We didn't go to the end of the book of Revelation where we see this wonderful future that is laid out for us, which is just as much a part of the revelation as Mm -hmm. these chapters that describe the horrors that will come upon the earth. And so with that understanding, I don't know how we can just walk away and say, well, that's nice. We close the book and we go about our business as if God doesn't exist or God is not is not real, Our God is, we're not interested in having God be part of our life. So I would say then, that leads me to say, with that knowledge, what are we going to do? What do we do about it? Well, then we need to be able to accept God as our ruler, our king, and our loving father, and we need to obey what he says and say, well, what else does he have to say for me in these words about how I should live my life today? Um, and in appreciation for this insight into what the future brings and his plan.
0: Okay. Thank you. Mr. McNair, thanks for being on the program again today. And thank you for bringing the insights that you did. Thank you. And Mr. Stroud, thank you for joining us today, and thank you for sharing your thoughts and what you've learned and are learning about the book of Revelation as well.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: it. The four horsemen of Revelation appear almost mythical to many, but Jesus Christ inspired John to write of them because through them he's foretelling what will happen to humanity at the end of the age, as we've talked about today. These four horsemen will intensify their ride roughly three and a half years before the return of Christ, and they'll scatter devastation and deception all over the earth. Those who are not paying attention, we're told, will be caught off guard or unaware by these catastrophic events. However, those with eyes to see and ears to hear won't be surprised. And those who work to overcome and follow God's will and His laws can be spared, as we've just read. To learn more about these horsemen and other events prophesied in the book of Revelation, read our booklet revelation the mystery unveiled we've got a copy of it here you can find this at tomorrowsworld.org it goes into much more detail into the entirety of the book of revelation and you can also find a telecast that we've done on the four horsemen at this website as well where mr wallace smith goes into more detail too to learn more about today's news and events in light of the Bible, we encourage you to join us each week here on TW Now. Next week, we plan to answer the question, what does the future hold, as we delve deeper into the mysterious book of Revelation. We do invite you to be sure to subscribe, like, and share today's program. And you can listen to our podcast by searching TWNOW on your favorite podcast app. We'll look forward to seeing you again here next week on TWNOW.